Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey everyone, welcome to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and today my special guest is Steve Welch. This is going to be such an awesome discussion. He has a lot of good background information. Let me give you a little bit of info on his background. He's a National Exercise and Sports Trainers Association certified fitness nutrition coach, and he has been researching, experimenting with low-carb ketogenic nutrition and ketone supplementation for the past six years. He is the former publisher of the world-renowned medical journal Chest and held multiple key executive roles at the American College of Chest Physicians during his 25-year career with the Medical Education Organization, which culminated with him serving as its executive vice president and CEO. His background in medical publishing has provided him with insights into assessing medical and nutrition research, which he uses to help educate others and improve their own health and fitness. Steve is the co-author of the new book, The Ketogenic Key, Unlock the Secrets to Lose Weight, Slow Aging, Stop Inflammation, and Prevent Disease, which breaks down how ketogenic nutrition, intermittent fasting, ketone supplementation, and exercise can optimize your health by helping you achieve and maintain a state of ketosis. He served as editor of the book, Get Fit, Lean, and Keep Your Day Job, a transformation guide for anybody by nutrition coach J.D. Griffin, and is currently editing a book about CBD and its beneficial effects that is written by a pharmacist. A lifelong scuba diver since the age of 15, Steve relaxes by diving with large sharks. He also has an affinity for rescuing Great Danes, especially deaf ones, which I think is pretty awesome. So thank you so much, Steve, for joining us on the show today. Oh my gosh, Aaron, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited too because what we are about to discuss is one of my favorite topics because it has been so instrumental in my own health journey, but I want to start off with this. Why are Americans so afraid of fat and what is the history of fat in our culture, dietary fat, and and why are we afraid of it? Sure. Oh my gosh. You know, um, The short answer is because we've been hoodwinked. Um, You know, it started a number of years ago when um, uh, President Eisenhower had a heart attack and uh, everybody wanted to know why. And at the time, there was a researcher by the name of Ansel Keys. And Ansel Keys published a study that said that if you ate a lot of saturated dietary fat, it would clog your arteries you know, much like your pipes get clogged up if you try to pour bacon grease down them. And he, be, he became basically one of the key figures in congressional hearings about nutrition and guidelines around how to prevent heart attacks because Americans were having heart attacks like crazy. And when the president has a heart attack, it becomes a really big topic. Now, the problem with the study that Dr. Keyes um, put together and published was that he actually had data for 22 countries, and the data was all over the map. But when they published the study, they only used data from seven countries that fit their preconceived hypotheses, because they so believed that this was the problem that they ignored all the other data that said that, you know, if you eat a lot of saturated fat in some countries, there's, there's not a high heart attack risk. And so because um, this, this really was a faulty study, but because of the timing of what was happening in the U.S. and because he got appointed to help with uh, influencing the decisions about guidelines for nutrition, um, we've been told for you know, 30, 40 years that eating fat is really bad for us. And unfortunately, that's just, it's exactly the opposite. Um, We're going to talk today and tell people how fat is actually really good for you. And it's really an important part of of, of a healthy diet and to keep a lot of your uh, body organs and even your brain incredibly healthy. Yes, absolutely. And I think that I remember when I first heard about Ansel Keys and that study, I'm just like, wait a minute, we have changed 
everything in our food system and our, you know, food pyramid and all of these things based on this one guy's research that wasn't even really, I mean, it was a correlational study. It was, and like you said, it was just kind of skewed anyway. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what have we been missing then? So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that that is something that a lot of people need to know about uh, because it is something many people will still say, oh, go on a low fat diet, you know? So what is behind, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, what do you think is behind um, so many people, we, we turn to lo low fat diets in order to address the issue of cholesterol um, or to address, you know, the issue of lowering LDL. What can you say to that? Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, fat as a whole. And, and I want to just address a couple other points where we're talking about why you shouldn't fear fat. And that is because, um, first of all, your body requires fat. Um, to, to perform a, a lot of functions. So many of your cellular genetic and signaling functions in molecules throughout your body rely on fatty acids. Um, and then the other piece that you just touched on is cholesterol. And that is you know, something that people don't realize is your brain is 60% fat and cholesterol. Mm. And cholesterol is incredibly important for uh, healing tissues, uh, at a cellular level, it's important for appropriate nerve function. Um, most of your hormones are derived from cholesterol. And in, in fact, cholesterol is so important, your body will actually manufacture it if you don't eat enough of it. Um, and that's a really fascinating thing when wow. you think about the fact that, that, yeah, that, you know, so that's how important it is. But yet we have, because of all this sort of faulty concept of cholesterol being the thing that causes uh, heart attacks and plaques in the arteries and strokes. And, and in a minute, I'll break down why that it is the case, but it's not the way that we think that it is. Mm. Um, but because we're so afraid of cholesterol, now you've got people who don't want to eat any fat, they don't want to eat any foods with cholesterol, and, and many people are even on drugs that are forcing their, their body not to produce cholesterol and not to synthesize cholesterol from foods that they eat. So literally, their bodies are starving for cholesterol and for things that are key to their brain health, their hormonal function and balance, and their nervous system. Yeah, and it's just a tra it's a travesty of a of, yeah. of our current uh, approach to healthcare. It really is. So, and what it, what can you go back real fast to what you said about if the body doesn't get enough cholesterol, it's going to start producing it on it on its own? Is that what you said? Yes, that's correct. And in fact. Um, you know, it's interesting. We've said, you know, we've been told for years that high fat diets and are that are high in cholesterol cause heart disease. And the thing that I want to point out to your listeners is that the reason that that's the case is because a lot of the studies on nutrition have been done from retrospective, which means they're they're looking at past, um, yeah, past data that has been collected from large populations of people and most of that data on what they ate was done through a what's called a retrospective dietary questionnaire mm. where you ask people to self-report what they ate for up to the previous 12 months now i don't know about you i can hardly <laughs> remember what i ate last week right? right and so asking people you know to quantify and, and report on what they ate for the last year, number one, is incredibly problematic from a, a, a good uh, data integrity standpoint. And the other thing is, let's face it, human beings are really bad at self-reporting what they eat. For sure. And so, yeah. you know, you'd, so, you'd, so the, all these studies that have been done that said, well, you know, there's, there's an association between eating things like egg yolks and heart attacks, right? Um, that, that this is a really good example. Um, you don't, you, you, if you're looking at those, those studies and you look at the way that they collected the data, you really don't know, well, what else did the people eat besides the eggs? And how can you mm -hmm. possibly take that into account and say that it's only the eggs that could have caused the risk factor for the heart attacks? And the reality is you really can't. But when this research is written up, they can say, well, there's an association. And you're right, there is an association mm -hmm. because those this population of people ate up to three eggs a day, and this population of people also had a higher, um, uh, you know, they had a higher risk of having a heart attack or some kind of cardiovascular complication. 
But what you don't know and what they didn't control for in many of these studies is, well, what else was it they ate? Well, there could have been something else in their diet, their lifestyle, or other risk factors that could have predisposed them to that. So sadly, that's, that, that's kind of why we keep having this, this, these studies where it's okay to eat eggs. It's not okay to eat eggs. It's only eat the whites. Oh, wait, now it's okay <laughs> to eat the yolks. And it just yeah. confuses the heck out of people. And it's yep. made them afraid to eat things. Yeah. So, so back to the cholesterol. Sorry, I got off point. There. No, it's great. Um, yeah, no. keep going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the back to the cholesterol. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the biological aspect of why cholesterol has been villainized as the thing that causes heart disease, and and plaques in the arteries and, and strokes and things like that. And that's because cholesterol serves a function in your body. It's a it's a molecule that gets dispatched especially to your blood vessels when there's inflammation and damage to your blood vessels. And the thing is that cholesterol in and of itself, therefore, isn't a bad thing. However, when you're in an inflammatory state and your body has a lot of uh, free radicals going through it and reactive airway species, which you know, we've, you've probably talked about before, what happens is those can actually oxidize certain cholesterol molecules so that then what happens is when they're oxidized, they can adhere to the, to the um, lining of, of your, your blood vessels and begin to sort of stack up and, and form these plaques. I'm oversimplifying this, but, but this is basically the concept. And so yeah, yeah. What, what causes that inflammatory state? Well, what's really interesting is it turns out that more and more research is showing that carbohydrates, especially mm -hmm. simple processed carbohydrates and sugar. So think of flour, think of, um, you know, sugars. Uh, and the other thing is trans fats, which are uh, seed and vegetable, highly processed seed and vegetable oils mm -hmm. oftentimes cause an inflammatory state in the airways. Because when you eat things like that, they raise your blood glucose, your blood sugar. And this is, this is an important concept for people with blood sugar issues and for diabetics to understand is that when you eat things that have a lot of simple carbohydrates and sugars in them, your body very quickly uh, will, will take that and convert it into glucose. And that glucose hits your bloodstream. Now, glucose in and of itself can be used as an energy source, but it's also high amounts of it can be toxic and inflammatory to your system. Mm. So when you so when you eat something like that and your blood glucose goes up, uh, what happens is your body dispatches insulin. And insulin is a hormone that diabetics are very familiar with um, because a lot of times they're either insulin sensitive or insulin resistant and it doesn't do its job, right. which is to take the glucose and move it into your cells where your, where your body can use it for energy because glucose is, is primarily a fuel source. The thing about insulin is it's also inflammatory. Mm. And, the, and the double whammy is it's a fat storage signaling hormone. So when you eat a lot of carbs and sugar, you're creating an inflammatory aspect from that glucose being in your, in your system and going through your bloodstream. When your body tries to take care of it by releasing a big bunch of insulin to shuttle all that blood sugar into your cells or unfortunately store it as body fat, you're adding another inflammatory compound. And so that whole process of eating carbs and sugar is very inflammatory. Well, when you combine that with a high fat diet, especially uh, fats that are unhealthy and, and that are high in cholesterol, those cholesterol molecules get oxidized and that's when you start forming plaques in your, in your blood vessels. So the key thing that I always try to talk to people about with fat is fat is incredibly healthy and your body needs it. It needs fat and cholesterol to do all these good things. But if you're eating it and you're eating a lot of carbs and sugar, it, that's what can lead you to the poor health outcomes, the cardiovascular issues, the ultimate um, uh, buildup of insulin resistance and, and prediabetes and diabetes, which we can talk about as well, um, is all related to carbohydrate consumption, not to the fat consumption itself. Does that, I mean, is that Clear. That is perfect. Um, I can certainly, spell it out a little bit yeah. more if you need me to. No, that that's probably one of the best explanations that I've heard actually. Because this, for some reason, this took me a long time to get. I do not know why the whole the way that carbs are converted and glucose, mm -hmm. then insulin. Like it's it's taken a while for me yeah. to understand that process. And I did hear somebody else refer to it as um, uh, 
it's like like a the refrigerator or a deep freezer and the way oh now i'm trying to remember what it was like <laughs> the way that um glucose is used and it, mm -hmm. it can either be stored long term as fat in the deep freezer mm -hmm. but you want it to be in the quote refrigerator where it's just short-term energy right am i saying that right right something yeah, along exactly. those lines <laughs> Yeah, the thing is that if you're going to eat carbohydrates, first of all, you want to make sure they're more of a complex carbohydrate. And they come from things like vegetables and, and, and things that, that, that don't spike your blood sugar as rapidly. Um, because it's that spike in blood sugar that's the whole, um, is, is one of those triggers to a lot of other downstream negative effects. But, mm -hmm. but you're right. You, know, you want your body, you want your body to, now, now of course, I'm, I, I tend to advocate low carbohydrate um, eating because it really removes that risk factor of creating that inflammatory state that leads to a fat storage and b those cardiovascular inflammation that yeah. can cause uh, things like uh, the, the the vascular disease and, and the heart disease and strokes and things like that the other you know the other reason to to consider a low carb um, diet is because it also helps prevent your body from becoming insulin uh, resistant and uh, keep you from developing diabetes and prediabetes. And what's fascinating is actually, there's, there, and we can talk about this later, there's a lot of research right now showing that low-carb diets can actually halt and potentially reverse diabetes, which is groundbreaking stuff. Wow. It's huge yeah. because that is on yeah. the rise along with type three diabetes, you know, which is our neurodegenerative issues like Alzheimer's. Um, this blood sugar yeah. discussion is super important for brain, body, all of it. It's all connected. Um, one right. question I had with, with the cholesterol. So what would you say to somebody who was told that, oh, your cholesterol is too high. You really need to watch your fat intake. Um, is, is it possible? Can dietary fat, the good fats, can it affect cholesterol in some people? Or if they do say a ketogenic, is there going to be like a time of shifting where maybe their cholesterol will go up and then go down and all around? I mean, what, what have you seen there? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I'll tell people that um, on, like in and of itself, singularly cholesterol level is not, an, is not a good indicator of potential health risk and disease. Mm, and in fact, more recent research has actually shown that people who have higher cholesterol actually live longer and have uh, have less disease. Um, yeah. Now, and that flies completely in the face from what we've been told. And, but again, it's, it, it also has to do with people with, um, you know, with high cholesterol as they age. Um, part of that's because the body's trying to the, the hypothesis is the body's trying to produce more cholesterol to be healing. And, ah. and yet we're doing exactly the opposite with a lot of our medical interventions, which is we're trying to uh, just suppress that cholesterol level because we, there, there's this you know, belief um, that is so pervasive that it's responsible for heart attacks and strokes. And so I think that, you know, the, the point is, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to dole out medical advice. Um, what I would advise people is if they have some, if they have a physician who's trying to say that that's the problem, I would say get a second opinion from somebody who's maybe a little bit more progressive in how they're assessing the latest nutritional research, because I think they will help you navigate some of this confusion. Yeah, that's helpful. And, and also to look at those other things too. Like, would you have somebody look at say A1C or glucose, you know, fasting glucose? What are some other indicators there you would look at? Well, well, anybody who's got high, high cholesterol and high triglycerides, the first thing I'd look at is their carb consumption yeah. because, and, and, you know, and, and anecdotally, this, this is exactly my experience. When I was 49 years old um, in 2013, I was overweight. Um, I, over the time, over time, I was just like everybody else. I ate a little too much, even though I exercised regularly, I, I wasn't eating smart, eating too many carbs, um, eating desserts. And I, you know, sort of one day this aha moment hit me and I described it in, in, in our book where I realized, okay, I'm 49 years old. I've got a gut. I'm a little overweight. I, my, I went to my doctor, my blood pressure was high. My triglycerides were high. Um, fortunately, I've personally have always had like middle of the road cholesterol numbers, even when I was overweight, but my triglycerides were high mm -hmm. and I just felt, I just felt off. Well, 
by by adopting a low carb nutrition plan, what was and what was amazing is literally within 12 weeks everything reversed. I mean, I my blood pressure normalized, my triglycerides normalized. Um, so I you know, I know that there can be an impact to this, and I'm only an N of one, but I've certainly seen a number of studies on uh, people who have been doing uh, low carb and, and ketogenic nutrition, and dropping those carbs really has a profound effect on your blood pressure and also on your triglycerides. And, and if, if you yeah. tend to have what they consider, you know, a bad ratio of cholesterol, eating healthy fats will probably help that. Now, I have heard of people who when they eat a higher fat diet and even if they eat low carbs, their cholesterol numbers go up. But I think it's important to think about that. If you're not eating the carbs, then you're not putting your body in a state where that cholesterol poses a risk. You know, you really, you know, what you're doing is, sure, you may have a little higher cholesterol numbers, but hopefully, you know, you're in this situation where you're eating the way that those that cholesterol is being used to um, perform the functions it's supposed to uh, supposed to perform. You know, making sure your brain is is functioning optimally, making sure your nervous system is functioning properly, making sure you're producing hormones in the right amounts and in the right balance. And um, you know, there, there's just been so much research that's come out in the last five to six years about um, fat and hormone levels and, and a lot yeah. of these things, including uh, including uh, low fat. Or, I mean, low carb. And higher fat diets being good for people with PCOS who tend to have yeah. hormone imbalances, which seem to be made worse by eating a low fat diet. Mm-hmm. And because so. that PCOS is also related to, from my understanding, insulin and, and insulin correct. resistance That's too, correct. it can be. So yes. that makes a lot of sense. And hormones and also, you know, something else that we haven't mentioned yet is vitamin D. We need cholesterol also for vitamin D prep production, right? Right, right. Yeah, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So you need, yeah. you need to have some fat in your diet for it to be, uh, for it to be synthesized appropriately. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, there, there's and, you know, so many reasons, yeah. So, so, that, so you know, what we're talking about here, all the reasons not to fear the fat, right? Because, <laughs> but, but the thing is, if, it, it's really in the context of making sure that you're not eating a high-carbohydrate, high-sugar, mm-hmm. high-processed food diet. Yeah. Because if you do, that cholesterol can be very harmful to you. Uh, but it shouldn't be if you're eating the right way. Yeah. No, that's such, you know, that's a really good point to make because I think a lot of times we hear this and we're like, well, cool. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my full fat yogurt with all the sugar in it and the, you know, or whatever it is that comes in in yogurt. (laughs) It's like, well, you're kind of on the right track. (laughs) Right, right. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, commercially produced yogurts with the added food flavoring typically Mm -hmm. are incredibly high in sugar. In fact, there's a graphic that I've shared uh, online and it shows that that the the sugar to uh, the sugar ratio is almost the same as a Snickers bar in most commercial sweetened yogurts. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. When you actually look at it and I remember it's funny when I was, one of my children was a lot younger. She was eating yogurt every day for lunch at school. This was probably 10, 12 years ago. And she kept coming home every day with a headache. And I'm like, well, what in the world is, why does she always have a headache? And I looked and there was aspartame in the yogurt alongside oh. of, you know, whoever, who knows what else I'm like, Oh my goodness. Cause I get headaches from aspartame and all artificial sweeteners. They, they really bother me. I'm like, well, no wonder mm-hmm. she's having a headache. And here I was thinking that, Oh, well, you know, it's, I'm giving her a real healthy snack and it was giving her headaches. So we stopped that and she's been a lot better, but yeah, I think that that's well, such, go ahead. Well, uh, you, you know, you bring up a really good point and I think this is important to, to mention to people as well, because in 1980, when the U.S. dietary guidelines were changed and we created the food pyramid and it said, you know, you're supposed to eat 12 servings of carbohydrates every day and hardly any fat and all that stuff. And suddenly we got into this low fat craze where, you know, people were saying, oh, well, you know, I'm going to eat these Snackwells cookies. <laughs> but, you know, but it's the name that everybody remembers, right? Snackwells uh-huh. cookies. No, no fat. So it's good for you, you know. And in fact, they were low, you know, when, when, you, when you take the fat out of something. It, you know, and, and, and they use their processing things to create a product and a food, or, or in most cases, it's really a Franken food that will taste palatable and have the right texture that people will actually want to eat it. The problem is those texturizers and those other things that they put in to replace the fat are, are actually worse for you than the fat, you know, because yeah. they're, they typically are high in 
um, in carbohydrate-based uh, starchy polymers that, that, that are designed to texturize the food. A lot of them are uh, maltodextrose-based mm -hmm. or they're, they're, they're somehow, um, you know, they're, they're basically carb-based or they're just pure chemicals, which are, you know, not all chemicals are bad, um, but in, in the case of a lot of food additives, they are. And when you you're talking about like, you know, replacing sweet, something sweetened with aspartame, well, which is worse, you know, as in, yeah. in both of them are bad. You know, the, the, the answer is, sorry, you may not like the taste of it right away and it's an acquired taste, but eat plain, full fat yogurt and, you know, throw a few berries in there if you want a little sweetness mm -hmm. and you want, and you want to make sure you get some vitamins. You know, even though I tend to be a keto proponent, I'm not a sugar Nazi, and I try not to tell people don't ever eat fruit or don't ever eat berries or, or things like that because you know there are some healthy aspects. You just have to eat them in low amounts if you want to make sure that you're keeping your blood sugar low and not um, putting yourself in an inflammatory state where the damaging stuff starts happening. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's really important. And I think, you know, the full fat milk products, dear, whatever it is, it, it those things also are more filling. You're not going to be as hungry afterward. And I think that we're on this roller coaster of eating all the time, which, you know, we could go into intermittent fasting. We, I don't think we discussed that previously, but I mean, that's part of the reason intermittent fasting works so much is that it gives our bodies a break, you know, and, and we eat all the time and we eat all the time a lot of times because we're not eating things that are filling enough. Like we need fat because it's satiating. We need protein because it's satiating. And yet we fuel up on carbs, which just keep you wanting to have more carbs, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's exactly what they do. Um, you know, and, and, and we've, we know that when you eat a lot of carbs and it converts to blood sugar, you know, that, that you know, sugar basically has a very similar effect in your, in your brain reward cells mm. as a lot of addictive drugs yeah. do. And so, you know, sugar, sugar and carbs become quite addictive and you're right. Those calories are typically empty. You, know, you, you eat it really fast. You eat it, it, your body metabolizes it very quickly. And then pretty soon you, you, you know, again, it's, it's that blood sugar roller coaster where you eat those carbs, your blood sugar goes up, your body dispatches insulin, it, it tries to sh move the blood sugar out of your bloodstream. Well, you know, then you've got the opposite effect, effect where suddenly you're crashing again. And so you're looking for more sugar or, or something to get you that energy back again. And that kind of roller coaster and snacking is, is absolutely what leads people to gain a ton of weight because they're constantly in this, in this mode in their body where they're getting these these blood sugar spikes and crashes and getting insulin released so that they their body goes into fat storage mode and it's also just not like you say satiating you know eating more fat and fewer carbs keeps you fuller longer um, it's also you know it, it digests a little bit slower it's just and the other thing is fat is a great energy source um, Fat, fat. In fact, you know, fat has nine calories per gram, mm -hmm. whereas carbohydrates only have four calories per gram. So from an energy standpoint, a little fat goes a long way, yeah. but your body uses it slowly. It kind of burns slow and steady mm -hmm. like a charcoal grill, as opposed to, you know, dumping some kerosene on a grill and you get a big flume <laughs> of fire. Well, that's kind of like what glucose does in your body. Yeah. And maybe let's talk about that real fast. You mentioned calories. Um, I think that sure. there are a lot of people that are still hooked on the calorie counting apps and you oh, know, yeah. the whole calorie in calorie out, eat less, exercise more. I talk to so many people who eat under 1200 calories a day, exercise for an hour every day of the week and end up gaining weight. Maybe you could speak mm -hmm. to why that happens. Well, sure. I mean, I think you know, if somebody's goal is fat loss, um, you know, then there's, there, there are two parts of the equation. And unfortunately we've seen people get, the gurus and experts get polarized of one over the other. So first of all, let's talk about calories. And then we're going to talk about macronutrients and, and the, the aspect of what you're eating and what impact that has. But let's talk about the calories first. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because, you know, the bottom line is fat loss is a thermodynamic problem. You have mm -hmm. to burn off more calories than you take in, period. And, and that's, that's the truth. And so you know, no matter what you're doing, if you are eating more calories than you're burning, your body's not going to lose weight and is going to continue to probably store those excess calories as body fat. And so it is really important for people to 
be operating in a calorie deficit if they want to if they want to lose weight and especially if they want to lose fat then they need to combine that with um, you know exercise so that you're you're trying to get your body to tap into fat stores to, to burn instead of uh, glucose and the things that you're constantly eating and, and snacking on as well as eating the right kind of foods so that you're not putting your body into fat storage mode like we were talking about earlier. So I, so I find the, these apps can be very useful when they're, when they're used properly. And first mm. of all, tracking what you're eating and tracking your calories, I do think is important if you're, if you really want to take a scientific approach to, to say, okay. And, and as, as, as a you know, fitness nutrition coach, that's one of the things that you were trained to do is you, you do an assessment and you do a, a basically a dietary um, the you know, dietary diary so that you can track what, how many calories people are taking in. But you also want to track your macronutrients because yeah. you do want to know what percentage of, the, of that calorie intake is carbs versus fat versus protein. And then you also want to be able to, to, to break down further um, the carbs into you know, what are complex carbs and what are simple sugars because those things also have an impact. So first of all, calories are important. But a calorie is not a calorie. And, and, and this is where you know, you'll get people arguing over the fact saying like, well, it doesn't matter how many calories you take in. As long as you don't, as long as you, you uh, have a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight and it won't matter. Well, not if you're really talking about your overall health. Because if you're talking about wanting to make sure that your body's performing optimally and that you're, you're doing the right things from a health standpoint, if you simply starve yourself of calories, your body won't necessarily use body fat for fuel. Your body will break mm-hmm. down muscle and protein and use that for fuel in, mm-hmm. if, if you're not taking in enough calories. And so you can lose the wrong kind of weight. And then that can impact your metabolism. So making sure that you're, you're helping your body to use the right fuel for, for you know, fueling itself while you're trying to lose weight. And that's one of the reasons that I advocate going low carb and, and for some people even going keto if, if they're inclined to take it to another level is because when you have that carb deficit, your body has to look for something to use and you want to try to get it to tap into your body fat stores for fuel. And you know, the way to do that partly is the way that you're eating, because obviously if you don't eat a lot of carbs, you're not giving your body a choice right? If you don't give it carbs to eat, or I mean carbs to burn, then it's got to look somewhere else for the fuel. Now, if you're exercising and doing things to maintain your muscle mass, and you're also eating, um, you know, fat, and, 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 you know, trying to keep your calories in deficit, so your body's looking for things to fuel itself on, it'll, you, you know, with keto, what you're trying to do is train your body to utilize your fat stores for fuel. And that's how you begin to use, and that's how you begin to lose fat. And that's where having a, having a, a tracker that tracks both calories and your macronutrients is mm-hmm. important because when you're eating, you know, the, your body, you know, your body will synthesize a, a 100 calorie donut very differently than, than it will uh, synthesize a hundred calories of chicken breast or, mm-hmm. or, or red meat or, you know, whatever your protein yeah. of choice is. And so I think that, you know, that's really important for people to understand that it is all the above. And, you know, the, the, the thing I like to tell people as a very simple sort of three tiered aspect to trying to lose body fat is number one, you need to get yourself in a calorie deficit. So you do need to track calories in and calories out, um, which means, you know, being able to track how much exercise you did and that type of thing. So you really know, you know where you are in that. And, and you should really be aiming for a four or 500 calorie deficit a day. You don't want to go too extreme because, yeah. it, it, you know, then the, the other thing is um, you, you, you want to increase your activity level. And, and you don't have to be a gym rat. You know, I just tell people, you know, walking, um, you know, doing bi- bicycle riding or stationary bike, elliptical, you know, burning calories. It doesn't have to be weightlifting and gym work, although I do, I do encourage people to do resistance exercise because mm-hmm. that's the, the fastest way to, to create calorie deficits and, and stoke your metabolism. But, you know, if you're starting out and you're really overweight and you're not in good shape, just walk. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great way to burn some calories and be active. And the third mm-hmm. part of it is to try to keep your carbs and sugar low because that will keep you from 
you know, putting yourself in a situation where your body's getting into that, you know, that, that glucose spike, the insulin release, and getting into fat storage mode. It really will help your body begin to tap into fat, fat storage for fuel. And so that three-prong approach has proven to be incredibly effective uh, for many people. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. And just to clarify, because I think that this is really important, you mentioned that there are people, they will go on these very low-calorie diets, but probably a large percentage of it is carbs and sugar or sugar via the carbs. Right. Um, right. and so what that does is it leaves their body into this state of constantly glucose burning, right? So they never actually right. get into fat burning mode because you have to get through burning the glucose before you get to the fat. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and that's so, so if all you're eating for, is carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then you're really, it's like you're, you're it's like you're constantly putting gasoline in your car um, you know, and it's burning that for fuel, but you're never really getting that long-term, um, you know, sort of burn that you can get from your body fat. Yeah. Now, what are some carbs, you know, you say low carb or keto, there's a big debate, you know, about sweet potatoes and white potatoes, and some say they can be keto for some people. Some people say, no, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Is it just individualized or... I mean, well, my, my experience is that everybody is a little bit different and everybody's mm -hmm. body reacts to things differently. And if somebody's really serious about doing, doing keto, uh, my recommendation would be to invest the 30 bucks in a blood ketone meter and test your blood ketones. Because oh, wow. what's really important, what's really important is to know is to be able to test your blood ketones every day so that you know, if, if you experiment with foods and you test your blood ketones, you'll know uh, what's happening with with your with your well you can also test your blood glucose if you want to do that um since it's basically the same device but different test strips um but you you can you know really look at the impact of foods that you're eating and now you know white potatoes sweet potatoes with keto you know really the thing is you you want to try to eat things that have a low glycemic impact which means mm -hmm. they can they convert to they, they don't convert to sugar quickly in your bloodstream and cause mm -hmm. a quick blood sugar spike. So when, when people are talking about glycemic index or high glycemic foods, what they mean is foods, foods that quickly convert to glucose and cause your blood sugar to go up fast. And so, you know, um, you know, have eating foods that keep your blood sugar stable, definitely number one, help your energy levels and your mood levels and all those things. And it also, again, helps keep you from getting into uh, a high blood glucose inflammatory state and, and a high insulin, uh, hyperinsulinemia um, um, inflammatory state. So um, yeah, I try not to tell people, don't eat this, don't eat that. Uh, you know, some people can eat 50 grams of carbs a day and be deep in ketosis. I, I know pe some people who can eat almost 100 grams of carbs mm. a day and still get into ketosis. But uh, you know, some and some people eat, can eat less. And the only way to know that is to be tracking your ketone levels. And um, of the three methods, um, and I talk about talk we talk a lot, a lot about this in the ketogenic key is is that the three methods of doing your ketone testing is typically a urine strip. Um, and the reason that, that uh, you know, that, that, that tests basically the urine, that, that tests the, the ketones that you're excreting in your urine. So it's actually not telling you how many ketones are, are circulating in your bloodstream. Um, there's, a, there's these breath devices that you can use, but they, they measure acetone on your breath, which uh -huh. isn't always um, the most uh, accurate test of, of ketosis. Um, and again, it doesn't tell you how much is circulating or there's using a blood ketone meter, hmm. uh, which uh, I would recommend if people are serious about ketosis. And if you want to have me come back and talk more about keto, we can do that. Um, but I, I, I really, I'm, I take a scientific approach. So I really mm -hmm. like to know where my levels are at and to know what my blood ketone levels are. And so by testing them, when I eat certain foods, I can see, oh my gosh, like this kicked me out of ketosis for like two days. I'm not going to eat that oh, again. Yeah. You know, okay. I think, or, yeah. or, Hey, you know what? I had some, I had some sweet potatoes and it barely impacted my, my ketone levels. Well, there you go. Then you'll know that that's a food that, you know, your body processes, you know, bottom line is if you eat too much of any carb, you're going to kick yourself out of ketosis. Right. But, yeah. um, but, but, you know, my, you know, the thing that I try to explain, to people also is I'm, I'm not I'm also not a, a keto fanatic um, I do think 
that ketones are incredibly healthy. You know, the ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate um, is actually a really fascinating molecule because not only is it a, a ketone and a, and a fuel source, and for those people who don't know, when you're talking about keto, it's the concept of, of getting your, your carbohydrate levels so low that your body has nothing to burn except for fatty acids uh, and, and body fat. And what your body does is it converts your body fat into what's called ketone bodies, and those molecules are what's used for fuel instead of glucose. And, um, and so that's a way that you can you know, target nutrition and diet to really speed up the fat loss process because if your body's only burning fat for fuel, um, then it's going to tap into your body fat stores. If you're not eating too much, too many calories and too much fat, um, it'll tap into your body fat stores and, and really sort of turbocharge your fat loss. And you know, the ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate, or BHB, is, is really fascinating because it's got a lot of other properties. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they just thought it was a ketone body and a fuel source, but they've recently realized that it's a signaling molecule for gene expression, wow. uh, for DNA repair. Uh, it, it, it plays a lot of key roles in the body. And so uh, there's, there's reasons that you might want to try to experiment with, with either a ketogenic diet, uh, ketogenic supplementation, or, or do things like you mentioned earlier, intermittent fasting, where you get into sort of mm -hmm. a temporary state of ketosis because you're not eating a lot for a while. Yeah. And so, all, all those things uh, are beneficial. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. And what would you say, because you mentioned, I want to go back to the DNA repair, repair and gene expression, which I think is fascinating. So it, for people that struggle maybe with mental illness, um, brain health issues, this is, this is power, a powerful way to impact their health as well. Right. Well, yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the whole brain, uh, impact of eating a higher fat diet, a, a lower carb, higher fat diet, and eating healthy, um, even saturated fats, which people have been told are unhealthy. Oh, yeah. Saturated <laughs> fats are, are you know, um, that, you know, your brain actually, like I mentioned before, is 60% fat and cholesterol. And so there's a lot of research that's coming out that's showing the impact that eating a higher fat, lower carb diet can have on a lot of mood and, and, and mental disorders. And the, the thing about the ketogenic diet is it was used to treat epilepsy mm -hmm. back in the early 1900s yep. because what they found was in uh, epileptic patients, for whatever reason, when they cut carbs out of their diet and they begin to fuel their brain with ketones uh, instead by eating a ketogenic diet, it really calmed their brain down and they, they, they would either stop having seizures or reduce them to you know, being much rarer than they were and it, and it turned it into a manageable condition. And then you know, what happened was you know, trying to get kids to eat a no-carb no diet as, as society changed and more sugar and processed foods were introduced and people were eating uh, diets of convenience became very difficult. As soon as they invented drugs that could treat epilepsy, they just sort of like pushed the diet aside and said, oh, well, it's a lot easier to give the kids pills than to try to get them to eat this special diet and never have sugar and never have you know, carbohydrates. And so um, it really fell by the wayside, but it, it was a very effective approach. And, and in the last 20, 25 years, there's been a big resurgence of interest in the ketogenic diet for other brain disorders and other neurological disorders. Mm -hmm. and, and what the research that's being done, you know, the other thing is with the advent of uh, ketone supplements, ketone monoesters, and ketone uh, salts. It's been it's made it easier to study the effects of ketones on different conditions. And so I think what we're seeing now is all this research coming out because there have been uh, we we now have ways to elevate people's ketone levels without having to necessarily have them uh, try to adhere to a strict ketogenic diet. And it's really opening up a lot of research. Yeah. And what that research is showing is that your brain. If, if your brain will preferentially use ketones for fuel than over glucose molecules, even when you are eating a, a, a glucose heavy diet, um, if you ingest a ketone supplement, your body, your brain will still preferentially use those ketones. And that's kind of fascinating um, because the brain is, it requires huge amounts of energy. 
but it makes sense because when you think about the fact that fat molecules and, and ketones have nine calories per gram versus um, you know carbs that have four calories per gram, mm -hmm. you're talking about a higher yield fuel. So it would make sense that your brain would go, oh, I'm going to use that first because it's the it's the better fuel. And in the research that's being done around high fat diets and and low carb diets is showing that increasing that fat level is is having an impact on in Alzheimer's and dementia, for example. Mm -hmm. um, numerous studies have shown that MCT oils, coconut oil, high fats like that improve cognition in people yeah. who have mild mild cognitive impairment. And that's really fascinating. You know, it improved their cognition and their memory scores, um, which, which you know, could go take us down a whole nother topic of discussing <laughs> the brain and dementia and Alzheimer's. But I want to mention a couple other conditions that is, are being shown to be beneficial. One is anxiety. Mm. Uh, some recent research on, uh, and right now it's, it is an animal study, but they're, they're beginning to do more human clinical trials. But the, they showed that, that it really, uh, a ketogenic diet and a high fat diet, low carb diet really impacted anxiety uh, in, in, in animal studies. And, mm. the, and the other areas that are showing promise are autism spectrum disorders, um, bipolar and schizophrenia um, seem to react very positively to a high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, and then the, the other area is um, um, depression. And, and it, it's yeah. just it's fascinating to see this stuff start to take root. And I'm really excited to see clinical trials in humans begin to come out that can really add to the evidence base so that the medical professionals will say, oh, now we really have something that we can justify telling people to do this. Because right now it's just it's not at the level that it needs. And so it hasn't really hit mainstream yet, but we're almost there. Yeah, I'm hoping soon because I feel like we have a lot of work to do to clean up the mess they made with the low fat, high grain. Thing, you know? Like all right. of our foods have been, all of our food companies, they, their labels are created based on what they, you know, it's heart healthy, which means lots of carbs and, you know, and so there's a lot of cleanup to do. And so I think that that's going to be, I, I'm, I'm glad that the information's out there, that more research is being done because, and people like you, and be, I mean, all over, I'm starting to see more and more heavy duty nutrition nerds, right? Like we are, 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 <laughs> yep. are turning onto this and going, okay, this is the real deal. There are some serious benefits to this. And that, I think that's really exciting. So before we finish up, because I, we could talk for forever longer, but, oh, I, know. <laughs> I, but I do want to know, um, I'd love to pick your brain. Just like, what are your favorite fats to use? Like when you're cooking or maybe like a fatty sure. snack that you like, like, let's make it a little practical. And what, what's, what are your favorites there? Absolutely. So, well, first of all, for cooking olive oil, um, love olive oil. And I also use coconut oil sometimes mm -hmm. um, and uh, and butter, um, grass fed butter. Oh, yeah. Gra yeah. Grass fed butter is, is higher in healthy acids, uh, mm -hmm. the, the healthy fatty acids. So those are some things that I like to cook with. Now, I mean, you know, my go to my go to meals typically are uh, eggs. Um, I love, I love eggs. I eat eggs every single day and my cholesterol is great. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, I, I, you know, I like to, I like to mix it up and have, you know, I like to scramble them up with some spinach and some veggies. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll put some, you know, hard block shredded cheese on there. Mm -hmm. Things that are, you know, it, because it's, it's a great protein and fat feed with almost no carbohydrates. Yes. Um, you know, I, I also eat bacon and, and, you know, for people who aren't into animal products, you know, you can certainly do low carb and keto, um, and, and get around that. So, you know, but I, I do eat meat. Um, you know, I love uh, fatty fishes, salmon, mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. And I also, uh, you know, eat, eat red meat and you know, most of my meals consist of, of a protein with uh, a fatty component. I try to eat some good dark green veggies uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, 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 you know, that type of thing. Now, in terms of snacks, I don't snack a lot because I, I try to, I, I do intermittent fasting also. So I try to keep my feeding window, you know, fairly uh, defined during the day. But mm -hmm. uh, when I did drop the weight, you know, one of my go-to snacks was a, a handful of almonds, yeah. um, mm -hmm. which, uh, which I love. The other thing is, um, you know, I would also eat sometimes uh, hard cheeses, um, you know, real cheese, not like, you know, processed cheese food, right. which is 
you know, junk. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the other thing that I uh, would do is make these, uh, if, if sometimes I would have a little bit of a sweet tooth and I'd make these chocolate fat bombs mm, and you make yeah. them by, by melting coconut oil and melting butter. Um, and you add 100%, you know, cacao powder to it. Um, and a little bit of stevia for sweetening, and you basically blend it all up and put it in ice cube trays and put it in the freezer because the coconut oil and the butter will liquefy at room temperature. So you have to keep them cold. Yeah. Um, but you can you can pop one of these ice cube sized things out, and it's this delicious chocolatey treat that's all healthy fat and no car- yeah. no carbs because you're using uh, if you use stevia, it's not a glycemic impact sweetener, and um, they're they're delicious. But you, know, you have to be careful. You can't eat 10 of them or you're, kind of, right. you're, you're probably going to go over your calorie list. So yeah. Those are some of my go-tos. You know, I love nuts as a snack and I, I, you know, I love eggs, meat, and veggies. And, you know, you can eat some delicious stuff. And, you know, I experiment a little bit with almond flour and some things like that and cauliflower pizza crusts and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the other thing is, um, you know, I, I'm okay eating carbs every now and then. If mm-hmm. you're strict 95% of the time, I tell people, you know, have a cheat meal, eat what you want. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to derail everything. Um, but I do use intermittent fasting and ketone supplementation to try to maintain a, a steady level of ketones mm-hmm. uh, therapeutically in my, in my bloodstream. And so those are some of the ways that I try to approach that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love all those practical tips and it all sounds delicious. And those are things I love too. So (laughs) um, as we finish up, what are some ways like somebody wants to find your book, contact you, like where, where can people find you? Sure. Absolutely. No, thanks. So the book is um, the ketogenic key and it's on Amazon. Uh, it's the Kindle version is out there right now and we're finalizing the print layout. It's, it's, it's like 300 and something pages. So it's like the encyclopedia Britannica of all things <laughs> keto. And it's not all ketogenic diet. It really is about using all these things. You don't have to do a ketogenic diet to experience the benefits of, of ketones and low carb eating. So, you know, if you look for it out there uh, on Twitter, I'm at keto Steve. Um, and so people can find me there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, am just developing a website, ketosteve.net. And so people can go out and contact me there. I'll be doing some blogging and things as the book keeps, uh, uh, as the book hits in print edition, we'll, uh, I'll begin to ramp up my blogging. Awesome. Well, great. Well, this is so, so good. Such a good conversation. I'm thankful for all of your knowledge. And I think it really did clear a lot of things up for a lot of people, myself included. Well, thank you for having me. And you know, anytime you want me to come back, I'll be happy to jump on and talk about some other things because I do believe, as you said, this is really important for people to cut through the, the, the really the misinformation we've been given for the last 45, 50 years. Absolutely. I totally so, agree. So we will have to well, do thank that. Thank you for tackling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.